0: Integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back, everyone, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today we are so, so excited to introduce you to our new naturopathic doctor, Dr. Sembi. She has actually been with us for about four to five months now, and today we are specifically talking about heart health, how to identify early signs of potential heart concerns, the conventional approach to heart health versus a more integrative approach to heart health. But we start off with a really fun introduction to Dr. Sembi and how she came to be in the integrative medicine world, how she came to be a naturopathic doctor, and a little bit of what that entails. As a clinic, we are so excited for you all to be introduced to her. If you are a patient and you haven't yet met her, be sure to ask around to find her and say hello. She has so, so much knowledge, wisdom, and just passion to share with each of our patients and you through this podcast. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Mana Sembi. Well, welcome, Dr. Sembi, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, and this is your first time on the show. We are so excited for the audience to be introduced to you. But could you give us just a little bit of your background, Mm -hmm. the journey that brought you to where you are today, which is a naturopathic doctor here at the center? Yeah, sure. when
1: I was in high school back home in India, my mother really wanted me to be a doctor. But as uh, pretty much every kid, I rebelled, and I wanted to do anything but anything but that. So then I went into different paths. I graduated uh, with a degree in humanities. Then I went into sales. Then I moved to the United States. Um, I went to undergrad school here, I became an accountant, I uh, did my CPA because my career counselor said that you will always have a job. And as a new immigrant to the US, uh, that was very attractive. So I became an accountant, I worked at um, a couple of um, big firms uh, in New York City. and But I always knew that's not what I wanted to do. It took me a long time to figure out that medicine was indeed my passion. But then uh, I had learned quite a bit about medicine, how it is practiced, because by this time, I had two children, they had been diagnosed with autism, and I had kind of soured on conventional medicine because they told me there were no answers Mm -hmm. um, and that my children would have to be in therapy uh, the rest of their lives. Uh, That was not an option that was appealing or acceptable to me, and I started doing some research into other forms of medicine that would have answers. That's when I found different kinds of uh, medicine there was homeopathic medicine and naturopathic medicine and i first trained as a homeopath because um i read about this medicine making a big difference for children with autism i trained uh, as a homeopath i started to treat my children with homeopathy and started to see a difference um, in their overall being behavior and their ability to adapt and adjust And then I was very intrigued and I wanted to just be a homeopath for the rest of my life. That's when I learned that homeopathy is not regulated in the US. It is not recognized as a system of medicine. And I learned that um, naturopathic doctors Uh, do practice homeopathy as part of their uh, you know the various modalities that they practice and um, when I started I think you could practice naturopathic medicine in I think 16 or 17 states in the country now it's more than 20 20 22 or 23 states so it's increasing little by little so that's how what got me started into naturopathic medicine
0: Mm, wow, that's such a powerful story. I'm so, well, we're so glad that you got to where you got today because we have you now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, I really enjoy being here. Yeah. Can you touch on just a little bit the role you play here at the Center for New Medicine?
1: Yes. Um, so I've been here uh, l- about four months now, and my job as a naturopathic doctor is to look into the root cause of disease. Um, We, as naturopathic doctors, we follow what is called a therapeutic order of natural medicine. What that means is that we want to look at the foundations for health first. You know, we want to look at um, your diet, your sleep, your exercise, your stress, um, all these things that we call the foundations for health. Your mental, emotional well being is part of that. If that is in place, then we see, okay, are there systems in your body that are compromised? You know, is the kidney uh, functioning a little bit weaker than it should? Is the liver um, kind of not able to keep up with all the demands that are placed on it? So we, can, we stimulate the body's ability to heal, and this may be through acupuncture or through um, botanical medicine that is specific for those organs. <clears throat> and this goes along with supporting the weakened systems, you know, so we'll do more of these therapies targeted to whatever system is needed. And if there is still help needed, then we will come in with uh, natural prescriptions. We will suggest things like, let's say, for heart, we might suggest uh, Crotagus, which is a very powerful herb for heart health. Or we may suggest uh, milk thistle for the liver, or there are many other remedies, um, you know, We might suggest juniper for kidneys, depending on where the need is, you know, and after that, if there is still a need, then we look at, okay, does anything need to be replaced? Do we need to put in some sort of, um, natural, um, either hormones or other uh, medications that could support the body. This could be like thyroid hormone or adrenals and things like that. Finally, if that also doesn't work, then we will look into what drugs could be helpful. And if none of that is working, then we go up to the surgery level. Mm. So, so it's like a pyramid where the broadest, um, the base is the broadest establishing the foundations for health and doing natural things and getting to a level of invasiveness only as needed, you know, because as you increase the invasiveness, you increase the risk. Mm -hmm. As you increase the invasiveness as risk, you also increase the expense of the therapies. So we like to stay and work at the lowest level possible, bringing people's health back into uh, balance by um, you know keeping it as um, uninvasive, if that may be a word, as inexpensive and as low risk as possible. So we start all the way from natural, and then we see, if needed, we step up the level of um, therapies. Mm-hmm. And um, so the the effort is to bring mind, body, and spirit together. And what I find, and a lot of doctors find, is that people are disconnected from their emotions. They're so disconnected from emotions, and I think this plays directly into heart health. Mm. But, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but people are disconnected from their emotions, and they think that they just need medications, or IV therapies, or other therapies, or modalities, and those things will get them back into health, you know. Um, what they're missing is the all-important important component that you have to be in balance overall um, you kind of have to be at peace with what is you have to accept the challenge as is you, once you accept the situation then you then you should go on to partner with a doctor, it's a team you know the doctor doesn't just hand you solutions mm-hmm. that are going to fix yeah. you the doctor is just a part of your team that is making um, educated um, uh, suggestions on what will help you. So, so, so that's my job is to assess where the patient is, help them um, see where they might be, where they might need help, um, maybe with counseling or therapy, emotional work. Um, working out, eating right, and then finally come in with, okay, these are the medicines and supplements that will help Mm -hmm. you. So that is my role. And as I mentioned, because I trained as a classical homeopath before going to med school, And that is really my first love in medicine, is to treat people with a very gentle but powerful system of medicine. So I'm beginning to see a lot of patients uh, for homeopathy as well. And then I see overflow from the other doctors. I'll see cancer patients for follow-up, I will do pre-ops on patients, and I'll fill in as needed here.
0: I love what you pointed out about the foundation of being a naturopathic doctor, which Mm -hmm. is Exactly that. It makes so much sense mm-hmm. when you hear it explained that way. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why would we jump to surgery, or why yeah. would we jump to <clears throat> pharmaceuticals when we can try all of these other options first yes. and really, really treat the root cause? Which is absolutely something that the Center for New Medicine and the Cancer Center for Healing really is a huge promoter of. Right. Um, and so it's just it's fantastic to have one more person on the team who can help reinforce that, help educate our patients on that. Right. So getting into heart health, Mm -hmm. this is kind of a broad topic. We're gonna be just talking about general health concerns. Let me start over. When it's so broad like this, it's hard to narrow it in. (laughs) So today we're gonna be talking about heart health, refining Mm -hmm. it a little bit. In general, what are some of the main health concerns that you see patients having or that maybe are really prevalent in Mm -hmm. the US right now? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're talking specifically about heart health,
1: generally when people think about that, they think about um, high cholesterol, triglycerides, high blood pressure, um, angina. Congestive heart failure, heart attacks, and things of that nature—it's very connected to the heart. Um, but there are many things that are happening in the body that are not directly related to the heart, but they are—they're all leading up to that um, issue, some sort of issue with the cardiovascular system, because you know, uh, you know, we recognize that the body is one interconnected whole and all systems affect all other systems so if there are any issues and we talked about emotions to begin with
0: first of all i love that you pointed that out and Mm -hmm. that's some of the things we're going to get into later in the interview that Mm -hmm. heart health and really the health of anything is rarely just an acute issue with that one organ Mm -hmm. or that one place Mm -hmm. there has been degeneration there have been imbalances that have been brewing and mm-hmm. getting stronger yeah. over time in different areas of the body yeah so I love that and I'm so excited to get into that for the listeners but in general what are some signs and symptoms let's say you've got an individual they haven't been diagnosed with anything related to the heart but they may have some early signs and symptoms mm-hmm. that there's something brewing there's mm-hmm. trouble Kind of on the horizon what might some of those be
1: mm-hmm. so there are, there's two ways to look at this question and this is a great question because we want to look at early indicators not lagging indicators so if you look at conventional medicine you know and i did some research on this before coming on the podcast to see what are the early symptoms according to conventional medicine and they said things like chest discomfort nausea indigestion heartburn uh, pain that spreads to the arm, dizziness or lightheadedness, throat or jaw pain, um, getting exhausted easily, snoring, sweating, and while this is a great list, I don't think these are early indicators. These are late indicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so um, so this is what we would call uh, lagging indicators. So for us, what we like to think about as early indicators are anything like, do you have anxiety? That might be related to, um, that might lead to um, ha- poor heart health. Do you have depression? And there is um, enough research to indicate that people that are uh, clinically depressed, have higher rates of cardiovascular disease. Mm. Um, Is there obesity and how much obesity is there? Um, What is the level of stress? What is the level of fatigue? Do you have insomnia? Um, Of course, high blood pressure is a concern, but that is, again, also a sort of a lagging indicator. What is the earliest thing, one of the earliest things that we need to be looking at, um, that people are just beginning to talk about, is insulin resistance. And, even when it comes to diabetes, uh, what, what we kind of have been in the habit of looking at is blood sugar and A1C, but those are lagging indicators. Insulin resistance occurs first, and then over time, your blood glucose is, begins to be consistently high. Or your A1C becomes high, and the different inflammation markers in your body become high. But what's really going up first is the level of insulin. The different um, receptors in various parts of your body are becoming resistant to insulin, which is increasing the level of insulin in your body, which is then causing uh, high levels of glucose in your blood, which can be very dangerous, and which is why doctors are then um, kind of compelled to put patients on uh, either metformin or other forms of drugs um, because it is absolutely imperative to control blood sugar, but there is something very powerful that we can do before we get to that point of hyperglycemia, which is manage your insulin. And that has a direct impact on the heart as well. How? Blood pressure, which was thought to be idiopathic for a very long time, we really didn't know what was causing this increase in blood pressure hypertension and now we understand that it is insulin resistance which is the uh, one of the primary causes of hypertension Mm -hmm. so if we control insulin we will bring our blood pressure into control and we will bring our blood sugar into control and it'll enable a lot of people to taper down if not completely stop their blood pressure medication, their diabetes medication, their insulin, because the body will be able to um, modulate the amount of insulin produced, unless it's type 1 diabetes, which is a totally different story. So it is really important to understand the root cause of the first thing that is causing a problem, because after that, it just becomes a... Um, a snowball effect, really. And what causes insulin resistance, if you think about it, is really our eating patterns, our eating habits, our exercise, our lifestyle today, which has become so different. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah, there's a lot that we can do um, without the invasiveness of medicine, without pe- putting people on a lot of drugs, if people understand where good health begins or where health begins to go bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and I love, I wanna dive into some of those early morning mm-hmm. signs and mm-hmm. how those can be connected to heart health. Mm-hmm. But again, I just love that you pointed out that mm-hmm. we can actually begin to catch things much much sooner mm-hmm. unfortunately i think much of conventional medicine operates on this sort of idea that until there's a big problem there's not a problem mm-hmm. and and then it it's exactly as you said it makes Treating it so much more intensive, so much more invasive, and so much more expensive mm-hmm. versus looking. Hey, you've got some warning signs, let's start to address these now mm-hmm. before it becomes this big 911, the building is burning down type mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's dive into some of those. You said things like insomnia, anxiety. Talk to me about how these can eventually lead to heart issues Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so um
1: there are insomnia is such a multifactorial issue there can be so many reasons why somebody has insomnia Um, it could just be anxiety they're unable to sleep you know but then they are connected if they're unable to sleep lack of sleep um not only can be caused by a, uh, something called obstructive sleep apnea and, or other kinds of apneas. And that can happen if there is obesity. Sometimes even without obesity, this can happen. So we need to really evaluate for risk factors for sleep apnea. Um, the, kind of, uh, the amount of oxygen that you're getting that can, um, that can impact uh, the quality of your sleep. But if you don't get enough sleep, it directly increases your insulin levels.
0: Uh, okay. Even
1: one night of missed sleep, can have a direct impact on increasing your insulin levels. So um, some of the research that I've seen is that you can make up lost sleep up to 10 days or two weeks. But if you're chronically sleep deprived, either due to work or being unable to sleep due to anxiety, sleep apnea, any other reason it will increase your um, insulin levels Mm. and then cause a knock-on effect on various different organs of your body. So, um, So it's really important. So sleep is one of those things that is so critical so critical today, and good quality sleep is what we need. Um, but today, as you know, and as everybody knows, sleep is so dispensable. Mm-hmm. You know, our work um, takes precedence, our um, devices take precedence. You know, there isn't there ha- is hardly anybody that is not addicted to their smart device, Mm -hmm. you know? And many times when I speak to young moms, they will say that they are so busy during the day chasing after their children, and especially if they have careers too, that the only downtime they have is at night, just before going to bed. Mm -hmm. And then for an hour or two, they're on their phone or iPad or computer, just um, unwinding. Mm -hmm. While that is great from one perspective that you are um, de-stressing uh, you know, I would say in air quotes but that comes at a very heavy price we are paying a very heavy price for that kind of de-stressing so we really need to understand that s- nothing is more important than uh, good sleep of course we'll come to food and exercise in a bit but <laughs> yeah. sleep is super important get as much sleep as you can 8 to 9 hours um, and also the other thing I would say uh, related to sleep is it's important to go to bed at the right time If you go to bed at the uh, right time, which is, it used to be that we used to go to bed right after sundown, Mm -hmm. you know, because we didn't have all these uh, artificial lights and ways to stay awake. Now that is impractical in today's, especially in the winter when it's like dark by 6 p.m. So we we can't do that, but we can say that, okay, by 9 p.m. lights are out and I'm in bed. Latest by 10 p.m. lights are out, I'm in bed. Something like that. There Mm -hmm. should be a curfew. 10 p.m., there are no lights on, there are no gadgets on, you are in bed. Um, And then people have to uh, really work on developing some sort of a sleep hygiene. Um, Because we we have been so used to not going to bed at time, now our bodies are not used to it. Our circadian rhythm is all messed up. Mm -hmm. So now what we need to do is figure out how can we get into a state of being able to just fall asleep at the right time um so then i suggest people to look into what are other relaxants for them whether it is um listening to something um you know again that brings a device in but uh figuring out a way to do it in the least Um, harmful way as possible Mm -hmm. you want to minimize the EMF but you want to see what will maybe read a book that is relaxing if you have a spiritual practice maybe indulge in that before bedtime um Anything that brings your mind into a calm, relaxed state mm-hmm. just before you fall, uh, just before you you know, go into that um, state of sleep. So that's really important and that'll make a difference. And of course, other things like eating right. That's the other huge thing that is leading to insulin spikes is because um, we eat all the time. We're eating yeah. all day long, yeah. you know. Um, the conventional wisdom used to be you eat three meals and then it's done. Even though we were eating a lot of carbs at the time, you know, carbs, were, carbohydrates was the biggest component on our plate. We used to have like six or seven servings or like, I don't know, I think nine to 10 servings of carbohydrates a day. And while that is not healthy, you know, our lifestyle was different. You know, we weren't uh, sitting all the time. A lot of physical exercise was just built in. There weren't devices so kids would play outside. There is no other thing to do. You go to the playground, you play out with the neighborhood kids, you bike, you do all these physical activities. Um, Now that is gone. And now we have um, easy access to food, different kinds of food, different kinds of processed food. So we are eating all the time. We're eating carbohydrates all the time, and we are eating processed foods all the time. So... So all of that is having an effect on the amount of insulin in our body. Mm-hmm. So when we eat, insulin spikes, and it goes down in about three hours, but then we eat again, so the insulin spikes again. So if the insulin keeps spiking, eventually our, um, the cells in our body become resistant to that insulin. So now our body has to produce more and more insulin. um, And as our body starts to become more and more resistant to that insulin, the glucose from the carbohydrates that we eat um, begins to stay in our blood longer and longer. Because it is the job of insulin to get the glucose from the bloodstream into the cells. But if the cells aren't listening to insulin, then the glucose is staying in the blood, which can have very... um, deleterious effects very quickly so that's why doctors are really compelled to put patients on medication because you know what i'm finding is that it is very difficult for people to change their food habits people Mm -hmm. are so emotionally connected with their food you know telling somebody to change their food is like is like telling them to climb Mount Everest, <laughs> yeah. you know, and disown their grandma or yeah, something. It's, like really, it's really, really difficult because we are getting our emotional sustenance from food. Mm-hmm. You know, carbs and sugar have this way of instantly um, making us feel better. You know, And we are living in the age of instant gratification.
0: Oh, 100%. Instant
1: gratification for everything. If I'm sick, I need a pill today to make me better today. Um, because changing my food habits is not agreeable to me. I want you to give me some pill that's going to make it okay for me to eat the food that I eat. So that I don't have to change my lifestyle and my food, mm-hmm. you know. I have seen people with diabetes um, just inject themselves with more and more insulin so they can eat foods that are actually not good for them, you know. So what we need to really understand is what has happened to our. Uh, Emotional health. What has happened to our mental health? Uh, With the breakdown of the, you know, the family system, of of living in neighborhoods where everybody knew everybody, and there was so much emotional support, not just from your immediate friends and family, but from the whole community, and that isn't there anymore. Especially in today's political setup. Oh my gosh!
0: Yes, it's so true. Oh my goodness! It's so true. I. I, some of my neighbors, you'd think the homes were empty. You just never Mm -hmm. see people. And I grew up in a community where it was all the kids played together every day. We all knew each other. It was very supportive. And so now as an adult, it's very eerie, almost like, wait a second. We have gotten so out of touch with our direct community. Everyone has friends and families that they maybe connect with here and there, but yeah, that immediate community just doesn't exist for most people. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, as a naturopathic doctor, if you had a patient come in who was having maybe later symptoms Mm -hmm. of heart concerns, where would you start? So it sounds like, first of all, you'd ask them, how's your sleep, how's your anxiety? What mm-hmm. What are some of the other things you might look right. at?
1: So so if they're coming with later symptoms, I'm guessing they're already on some medications. So I start with looking at what medications they're on. Okay. You know, if they're on medications for hypertension, for diabetes, um, for diff- if they have underlying heart conditions like atrial fibrillation or angina, congestive heart failure, they might be on some medications already. So what we do is, okay, um, do a review of that, and then do an intake with them that gives me a sense of where their mental, emotional well-being is. Um, and then I ask them if they are doing any emotional work, if they're working with somebody to do that, because that is such a big part of our health today. So I suggest that they either do evox which we do at our work, or they work with uh, a counselor, which we also have at our work, or they try homeopathy, which is a detailed intake with me, and then I uh, prescribe a homeopathic remedy which addresses mental, emotional, physical concerns, and kind of lowers the emotional uh, temperature, you know, the emotional, uh, the severity of the, that, uh, you know, the unresolved stuff in their life, mm-hmm. whether it's grief or frustration or, um, um, you know, anger, hostility, Um, a lot of um, resentment for various things. So we kind of get into where is that coming from and how can that be resolved? Because unless those underlying things are resolved, these medications can only do so much. And what patients find is that over time, the dosage of the medication has to be increased, and then what happens is that the side effects are increasing. Mm -hmm. Again, you are caught in a vicious cycle. So the important thing is to kind of see where you are. Take stock of your mental, emotional health. And that is my big thing is like no matter what kind of health we talk about, where are you with it? Mm -hmm. Where are you with it? What do you think is leading um, you to be in imbalance? And it is the mental-emotional imbalance that causes you to be in physical imbalance. So take a step back and see what needs to be done. What is unresolved? You know, um, sometimes there will be executives that are very ambitious. They're doing really well in their careers, but um, their emotional or their personal lives are very unresolved. Or in other words, they're a mess, Mm -hmm. you know? But outwardly, they are successful. They might be CEOs, CFOs, really in the C-suite, but it is all coming at a cost. And our job is not to tell you to change your job or change your life um, as it comes to your career, but to really take a look at what is happening internally that um, that is causing you to have are causing you to devote all your time to your career Mm -hmm. and not enough to your personal life. You know, people compensate like that. And then it becomes like a one-sided, I see a lot of that in my homeopathy practice. And there is a certain kind of patient who will benefit from a certain kind of remedy because they are such hard-charging executives and their work is all, their work is their pride. And the only source of pride because everything else they've kind of not focused on and their personal life isn't working out mm-hmm. so it's really imperative to work on that so working on that and then again of course we talk about do you have time to get the right kind of food you know because getting the right kind of food there are services today that will deliver ketogenic meals to you and other things but I wonder. I've tried a couple of those, and I haven't really been uh, fully satisfied with them. So it really means you have to do some meal planning. You have to do some shopping. You have to do make time for these things that, again, are dispensable because you know it is not seen as something that is important. So again, bringing balance back into life. Mm-hmm. You know, are you getting good sleep? Are you hydrating yourself? Are you doing too much caffeine? Are you doing too much alcohol? Um, are you just not drinking enough? Are you drinking too much Perrier? Are you dr- mm. wh- What are you? Are you drinking too much diet soda? Um, all these things need to be looked into, and um, an individualized plan made for each patient.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I love that you just ended with that—an individualized plan, which is something that I think homeopathy specifically is really able to deliver, mm-hmm. versus some kind of medication, right? Which is very much like well, here's the medication we give people for insulin resistance. It's the same for every single human being. Maybe the dosage is different, but other than that, the ingredients are all the same, whereas homeopathy is so, so, so incredibly refined.
1: Yes, Um, doctors um, often have to follow the standard of care Mm -hmm. um, in conventional medicine, uh, and there are consequences if they don't. Um, If a patient comes with complaint A, you are supposed to prescribe medicine A, if they come in with uh, complaint B, you're supposed to prescribe medicine B. So their hands are tied in many ways. And um, I really admire Dr. Keneally and her um, drive to set up the center and to, to give patients what they need, not just follow the standard of care. You know, and to and to bring together different kinds of practitioners, including the first naturopathic doctor, which is me, mm-hmm. and also a practicing homeopath, which is me, um, and 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 I really give kudos to her for recognizing the need for this and um, the the impact, the far-reaching impact that we can have on patients with with following a truly holistic model of medicine, and. Um, trying to taper medications down which are leading to side effects and a poor quality of life for patients Mm
0: -hmm. yeah absolutely so now when it comes to testing and getting some kind of clear diagnosis for heart concerns what are some of the conventional tests and then are there is there anything additional that integrative medicine does in terms of testing
1: um, sure, so most doctors will look at metrics like your cholesterol, your um, low density cholesterol, your high, your LDL, your um, HDL, different kinds of LDL like small dense LDL, other metrics like apolipoproteins like ApoB, ApoA, the ratios between them. Um, I'm not sure if they look at other markers that we look at. like. Um, Markers of inflammation like MPO, myeloperoxidase, hsCRP, which is high sensitivity C-reactive protein, um, and then we will also look at autoimmune markers like the double-stranded DNA, ANA, which is anti-nuclear antibody. We will look at thyroid antibodies. We will do, of course, look at your glucose picture. We will look at your iron panel, and um, we will look at things like homocysteine to see if your B12 levels uh, are low you know your oxidized LDL. We will also look at your um, sex hormones, your thyroid hormones, because all of that is giving us a picture, Mm -hmm. a complete picture.
0: And that's standard, that's kind of standard conventional testing too? No, no. uh, What
1: I mentioned at the beginning was a standard testing. And all the other ones that I started with the inflammation markers Mm are something that we would add. Now, there are conventional medical doctors um, that are beginning to test uh, these inflammation markers, but there are few. And Mm. I call, them the enlightened (laughs) doctors who are doing this, who are really opening um, their minds to how we can truly help the patient by, by seeing a broader picture of inflammation. Because really, as doctors, we are inflammation hunters. We mm-hmm. are looking for inflammation in any part of your body, whether it's your gut, whether it's your lymphatic system, whether it's your immune system, um, any system in your body, we are looking for inflammation because it has a knock-on effect on all other systems of your body. So it's really, we are looking for where which is your most vulnerable system and start to help you there, but also um, help you globally with everything that is needed. Mm. Oh, and I also want to mention um, for testing, we might also, if a patient has, let's say, um, suffering from depression or fatigue or insomnia, we may, or if a patient is going through menopause, we may also look at their um, neurotransmitters. You know, we might do some urine testing to see what the neurotransmitters and the metabolites look like because. if you if you are low in certain neurotransmitters like serotonin it can have an effect on your um, endothelial lining which is the lining of your blood vessels which is part of your cardiovascular um, system which is the you know the the overall system under which heart health falls into Mm. so neurotransmitters and serotonin and depression can have a direct effect on heart health in that way
0: okay so now bringing it to a close a little bit, if there were some things that you could recommend the listeners start doing today, what might some of those be? Um, number one, um, and again, I think they're all,
1: I really can't um, kind of prioritize them because they're all number one, okay. really. You know, So they're <laughs> yeah. all the same level. So I want to just say, okay, you want to reduce your carbs, reduce carbohydrates, reduce processed foods, increase good fats, which means um, olive oil, coconut oil, um, coconuts, olives, avocados, um, get moving every day. Get good sleep and reduce your the average level of your stress. You know, if you have a highly stressful day one day, it's okay. But overall, the average level of your stress, um, try and reduce it. Um, many times, patients come to me with their their average stress is a nine on ten. Oh wow, that is a no no. And but I always tell them, okay, try and reduce it to an average of five or six on ten that is more manageable than me just saying bring it to zero it's not going to happen so take baby steps form a support group um around you and that should include your doctor that should include your family your friends your community start engaging with people reduce your social media consumption reduce your um You know news consumption from the from your political leaning because that feeds into the fears Um, and 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 just try and connect more with people in your life you know Mm -hmm. if you haven't spoken to some family members in a long time do that you know reach out to your mom your dad your brother your sister who, who whoever you haven't spoken to in a long time because those things Um, bring so much relief to your heart directly and reduce your stress so so make a list of things that can help you directly and start doing them little by little one by one baby steps
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah Just learning to prioritize ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is not something, especially here in America, that we are taught. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, (laughs) we're kind of taught work comes first, then the family, Mm -hmm. and then if there's any time left, that's for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we need to reverse that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then everything else Mm -hmm. is able to thrive even more. If Mm -hmm. you're thriving, the rest of your life can thrive as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So, okay, last question. Mm -hmm. So can you share just in general? If there are any supplements that can just help support a balanced, strong heart, I know it can be really individualized too. But if there's anything that you're like, you know what? In general, this is a pretty safe and supportive supplement for most people. Um,
1: I yes, I would I would caution against a general direction for most people, okay. and I wouldn't say there is a Um, supplement that people should go on for their heart. They should really be evaluated by a doctor, by a competent doctor, and kind of see what medications they're already on because you want to make sure, we want to make sure we do a drug Uh, and supplement interaction check before we put them on any supplements. Because some of the plant medicine can be very, very powerful Mm -hmm. and can have interactions with the drugs that a patient is on. So we need to caution and we need to make sure we tell the patient, okay, if we put you on, let's say, this supplement, um, for instance, there is a supplement called Carditone, which is very popular for cardiovascular support and it is an Ayurvedic. Uh, supplement and it has um one of the components it has is called raulfia now raulfia serpentina is a very very strong supplement to bring down blood pressure but i would caution anybody from just going on this medication because it can have strong interactions with blood pressure medication that you're Mm -hmm. on Mm. you know so there are uh, botanical medicines and other medicine whether it is um traditional American herbal medicine or uh, Ayurvedic medicine from India or Chinese herbs. There are many different herbs that we can use, but we want to make sure you, you consult with the doctor. So yes, there is this one. Standard Process has some good uh, supplements. Uh, and of course, the perfectly healthy store here has supplements. Um, and one of them is called a heart toner, BP. And it has a lot of these. Um, it has Raulfia, It has Crotagus. It has many other herbs. So it's a combination of formula. But again, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I would caution against uh, somebody just taking a supplement, Uh, uh, consult with your doctor. And if they know uh, integrative, holistic, functional medicine, they will be able to come up with a good regimen for you.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, Dr. Sembi, thank you so much. And we'll definitely have you on again, hopefully to dive into more homeopathy, naturopathic topics.
1: Sure. Sounds good. It's my pleasure. Thank you.